Hello and welcome to the Mike Dominic Show. I am, as always, and I hope will forever be Mike Dominic. I'm a little concerned. There, you know, the whole alien thing in the New York Times. Things are getting weird out there, man. The truth is out there. Get Fox Mulder. I, but don't worry. Today's show is not about aliens. I actually have on my old friend and Coda Radio co-host of Jupiter Broadcasting, Chris Fisher. You probably know who Chris Fisher is if you listen to the show, because I imagine a lot of you came over from Coder. If not, he is one of the early podcasters in, well, frankly, podcasting as a whole, and hosted the largest ever Linux podcast, Linux Action Show. He's currently over at Jupiter Broadcasting. He's the founder over there doing, you know, a bunch of Linux podcasts, uh, Linux Linux Unplugged, there's a whole bunch of them. I will link to them in the show notes because if I take the time to list everything, we could be here for 20 years. Definitely a cool guy. We have a really interesting conversation about how the podcasting space has kind of evolved as an industry over the last 15-ish years and where it's going and kind of what do, you know, larger entrants like Spotify who are kind of changing the game, what, what do they do? Like, what does that mean to you if you're interested in starting a podcast? What does it mean if you know, you obviously are subscribed to this podcast. So what does it mean for you? Who's a fan of independent podcasts like this? The show is, as always, sponsored by my software company, The Mad Botter. We are coming up with a new product in a month-ish that I hope you'll take a look at. I'm hesitating a little on that month number there because if you're a software developer, you know, that last 10, 20% is uh, frankly painful. So without any further ado, you can find me at Tumanuko on Twitter. And here's Mr. Fisher. Hello, Mr. Fisher. I haven't heard from you in 2,000 years. <laughs> it does feel like that. I think if you go by internet time, that might be accurate. Yeah, I mean, this it's an AOL time span, really. Oh, there's so much to talk about, too, because like, did you notice how the entire world has changed since the last time you and I got on microphone? <laughs> yes, uh, I had a problem where I had to travel a lot, and now I'm under house arrest for the foreseeable future because of COVID. So. It probably does feel like that. I would imagine it, down there right definitely. now. It definitely does. Florida's rough. So for those who don't know, you are Chris Fisher of Jupiter Broadcasting. People probably know you from a bunch of shows, but I would guess Linux Action Show. And if you listen to this show, probably Coda Radio. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you been during the end of the world? You know, I've kept a stiff upper lip, really. The uh, podcasts have, I think, seen some impact by a drop in commuters. I don't know. Have you seen that? Where there's just, um, it's like a shift in listening patterns now. It's not a necessarily a complete drop. Like it started to look like at the beginning, but a shift in how people are listening to podcasts that are not commuting. Yeah, I've seen episodes are having a longer tail than they generally did, but they're they're not downloaded as quickly. Or at least yeah. the, like it used to be a big spike the, the morning after, which makes sense for commuting, that an episode came out. Now it's kind of like, you get a week. Yeah. It seems like it's, I expected it to settle and it, it still seems like it's changing. And I think as we record this, it's like five months into some people working from home and a lot of companies that are listeners at JB have gotten notice that they're staying home for the rest of 2020. And as an industry podcasting, it really kind of has shifted things because commuters are like the, the backbone of the podcast listenership. And I've seen all the way up to NPR having significant yeah. listenership issues. It's, it's really made some dramatic impacts. Right. And that's a great thing to talk about because you are kind of like one of the, you were fair to say you were an early adopter of podcasting. You know, what's wild is I have been literally podcasting for nearly 15 years nonstop. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What was the first show? Was it Linux Action Show? No, no. It was uh, a show called Castablasta. Castablasta. Yeah. It was Lunduke and our buddy, John Uncles and myself. And we just did things to amuse ourselves, which turns out to be a pretty successful formula in 2020. 
we were just a little ahead of ourselves. And we, we were kind of inconsistent with it because quite literally, not only was the technology changing rapidly underneath us, different ways to do it that were not really fully developed yet, but it was just sort of this super intense growth period for all of us. We were getting married, all three of us, kids, moving a lot. Like looking back at it, there was so much going on, but we, we started with this cast of blast a podcast as we called it, the cast of blast a podcast. Cast of blast. And uh, we, I just, I'm trying not to laugh at myself because it feels so silly now. But then from there, you know, we got a sense, Hey, there might be something here. And then after that came the Linux action show. Interesting. Now I know you from years before we even quote unquote knew each other from the Linux action show. You were, I think one of the early gateway drugs for me entering Linux. And one of, I think one of the first podcasts I subscribed to. And now I just have to say like, I, so I intentionally went back to some of the oldest episodes I could find. Oh no. Oh yes. <laughs> and it's incredible how, and I know 15 years sounds like a long time, but how just professional quality podcasting has been like, has become recently. I'm in particular thinking of things like, you know, what's going on with Spotify, with uh, the finance reporter, Bethany McLean, having a, I, I don't know what Luminary calls it, but like subscription only podcast. Is that a fair definition? Right. Another one that's a little more local to us is uh, Ben Thompson now has two True. monthly subscription only podcasts. And I subscribe to one of them. And um, I think it's a pretty good experience. So I have to check those out. I've been debating subscribing. I know even ATP, the uh, the kind of Apple developer podcast by Marco Armit and John Syracuse and uh, Casey Liss, is adding some sort of subscription tier. I literally, I'm a couple weeks behind. I literally just heard yeah. that. In their feed. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, it's Marco. So it's like this custom rolled solution, of course. Um, Written in PHP. Yes, actually. I have a lot of thoughts about this because, you know, we did uh, donations for many years. Then when Patreon came along, JB transitioned to Patreon. And then for the last two years, uh, we've been part of Linux Academy and now a cloud guru, and we haven't been taking donations. And I'll, I'll tell you my true, now that I kind of have, have done both sides of it, there's just a change in mentality as a creator when you are creating something that is funded by the very people that are consuming it. And mm. it, it's a paradigm shift in what you think about creating. Because if you think about it, even if you try to be balanced in this, your goals, if you're advertising funded, are reach. Because reach means a higher dollar value for the advertising. And it costs a lot of money to produce good content. I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's got to be a fairly reasonable cost just to do editing, right? For you. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to contract show. out for editing. Yeah. Right. One show. And, and that's because the bar has been raised in podcasting to a certain quality level where you, you can get away without editing and there's a certain crowd that will consume that and enjoy that style. But the vast, vast majority have so many choices that they're going to choose the stuff that's better produced. And so as a content creator, you're kind of compelled to improve the audio quality, improve the editing, improve the publishing experience. And you have to keep pushing these areas forward. And eventually it gets to the point where it's so competitive that you have to outsource that expertise to someone like an editor who really knows their stuff. And that was a lesson I had to learn. You know, when we hired two full-time editors, I was schooled. I thought I was a good audio editor and I thought I was a good mixer. And then these guys that were professionals came along <laughs> and really showed me that I was an absolute amateur. I was very early in that a curve of uh, understanding something. So to, to zoom out, you have to kind of appreciate all of these pressures that have changed on podcasts. And 
So if you need reach to make revenue, it changes how you make shows. If you have a show that's focused on serving the people who consume the content, like members or donators, that's also a completely different track of thought. And it just subtly influences little decisions that I think maybe people aren't even aware of. So I'm trying to think about how it generally works. So I have made a conscious decision with this show to try to focus not on like total listenership, although it is going up and I don't understand why. It must must be the lack of Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> oh, we have some data here now. <laughs> we have some data. Jar Jar was, de- it was depressing listenership the whole time. I'm trying to focus almost, see, I'm going to put on my evil business dude hat, right? Is it better, I guess, when you're, you know, you're sitting at JBHQ in the tower on a ramp with Lady Jupes, is it your goal to hit as many subscribers and slash listeners as possible? Or is it your goal to kind of like have a, I hate this term, but like customer persona, so to speak, I guess it'd be like listener persona of these specific types of listeners that would be best for, you know, like, um, like a cloud guru or, or whoever, when we had advertising on code or, or advertisers, how, how does that all work? I think it's, um, it's maybe a question of reframing. I get where you're going, but here's a slight reframe of it. It's sort of understanding your niche and then super serving that niche, becoming a significant voice in that niche, and then that creates value for the advertiser. Okay, so it's, it's focusing down on a group of people, I like what you said, the niche that makes sense. So how does that actually work in the podcast? Because you can't really target your podcast, right? You put it in a feed and people yeah. just go get it. First of all, it has to be content that I think is valuable. It's worth your time. So there, it has, there has to be either information density or a conversation that gets you thinking about things. That you look back at that listening, maybe even as you're like looking through your podcast list for the next podcast to listen to. And oh, that show that I listened to last week that told me that thing I didn't know or made me think in a way I hadn't thought before, I'm going to listen to that again. And it's just sort of building those habits. If you think about it from a listener first standpoint, and (laughs) you don't just pick a niche and say, I'm going to be the voice in this niche. Like That's not how it works. There are people that are trying that right now, even in the Linux space, and it doesn't work. You have to be organically enthusiastic about that topic because savvy listeners can tell. They can hear it in your voice. They can hear it in the terms you use. They can hear it in how you talk about things and the perspective that you take. And so if I didn't legitimately love Linux it, in the last 15 years, it would have been pretty obvious. So I started the Linux Action, to, to maybe even phrase it a little differently, I started the Linux Action Show because I was so, so excited about the awesome stuff that I was fixing and solving with Linux that Windows couldn't do. And I just, mm. I was compelled to tell people about it. Like I had to go to the mountaintop and shout this thing out. And then that developed into a show because genuine enthusiasm was really there. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense to me. Cause then from the success of Lass, you can expand out into other like, I don't want to say tertiary, but you know what I mean? Like related content. Right? Yeah. And the world of the internet is large. So if True. if you have a group of people who just they just love talking about the SOCs and phones you know, that that could end up being tens of thousands of people on a worldwide internet. You couldn't make it work as a paper or a local radio broadcast in the past, but you can really kind of zoom in on stuff. And if people think about what they're passionate about, like one of my side topics that I don't podcast about, but I'm a huge Star Trek geek. And um, 
I love listening <laughs> to some Star Trek podcasts. I'll never make a Star Trek podcast because I don't want to mix those two things there anymore. Like that's other people have it covered, but the people who genuinely love the stuff, like they really are into the material. Those are the shows I listen to. So now I have to find out which Star Trek podcast you recommend. Yeah, I, I love The Greatest Generation and The Greatest Discovery. It's hosted by two guys who are a little embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast, and that kind of sets up the whole thing right there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Sounds great. So as things have progressed, I mean, so one thing that hit me like a brick was like everything Spotify is doing around podcasts. And I'll be honest with you, I you know this for a fact, you are like so much deeper into this than I ever was, right? When we had Coder folks, I would like show up and break my mic and he would yell at me for 20 minutes beforehand just to get some clean audio. Um, so Chris <laughs> did it all. Yeah, it matters. It matters, damn it. Where's your pop filter? <laughs> like Spotify, right? It seems like they're making a pretty aggressive play. I don't even know what to say. To- right, super aggressive. You might say, you know, super aggressive predator play. Well, almost to like wall off, like podcast was this wonderful RSS ecosystem, right? It was great. Yes, there was the whole iTunes thing, but Apple has not done anything to mess with it in reality. And like, I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Spotify is trying to put a big old fence around their little garden and fundamentally break the way it works. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I got it right. Look at that. Yeah, that's it really comes down to the ad tech that Spotify bought about 10 11 months ago as we record this. And it is a dynamic ad insertion platform. And for them to make real money, like so in podcasting, it's like C-level media money, right? You don't hear a lot of ads for diamond rings and you don't hear a lot of ads for like cruise vacations. There's no pharmaceutical ads in podcasting. a lot of online mattresses. Yeah. And trust me, as kind of redundant as that can feel, it's a much better reality than podcasts with pharmaceutical ads, which will happen one day. Now, what Spotify wants to do is they want to break into the B, kind of B plus tier of advertising, automobiles, sportswear, alcohol, that those kind of level of really big money, like Super Bowl kind of ad buys. I'm serious, like real millions here. Really? Yeah. They want to change. They want to change the whole category. And because if you think about it, they need revenue. They need money. And this is an opportunity for them to create something that costs them zero money per play. And they can do dynamic ad insertion based on all of the data they have on your listening habits, your location, your device. They can do a lot. And they need successful podcasts to get these numbers. So if they're really serious about it, they need serious podcasts. So that's why they now have a Michelle Obama podcast that when you go to play music, they're putting Michelle Obama's face (laughs) right there front and center. I I did just notice that this morning, actually, as I was coding. That's why they just bought the Joe Rogan podcast, or at least uh, several years of it. It's about creating numbers that they can aggregate together to sell real ads ads like the podcast industry has never seen before. And I I don't think that's a good thing because like you started with, I think an essential aspect of podcasting is that open RSS ecosystem, the players, the websites, the aggregators. I think it's been a very, very beneficial tool for adoption. And it's sort of more honest to how an internet-based media should be delivered. You should be able to build Cody add-ons that pull in RSS feeds. TiVo should be able to ship a podcast player, Comcast on their set-top box. And it should just be 
It's it's bits being delivered over TCP/IP, and and the RSS open standard enables that. And what Spotify is doing is they're putting it behind a wall, even if it's not a paywall, they're putting it behind a wall where you have to go through that front door. See that it it feels a little odd to me though, right? Because and maybe this is just my nostalgia for days gone by. You know, we had ads on Coder Radio. You always had ads on Last before uh before joining uh, ACG and, and Linux Academy, and it just wasn't like a problem. Right, like it was still good if more people listened to the show. So I think this is when I talked about kind of getting down to a niche. This is going to sound silly, but it's kind of like mom and pop podcasting. And when there's an ad deal on a podcast like Coda Radio or Linux Unplugged, that's a boutique sale. Where in these shows cases, I had a conversation with an employee at that company that that over time developed into an ad buy. Like they came right. into our store. And the inventory is our podcast, and we have some shelf space available. And they, after communicating with me for a while, made a custom purchase. What large-scale podcasting is trying to do is dynamic ad insertion because the back catalog gets plays. Like right now, Coda Radio is getting more downloads right now than probably 70% of the Linux podcast. But you would still hear the same, like, uh, plug them because I DigitalOcean ad read that we did, you know, in 2000, a year ago. Yeah, or three years ago. And there's zero revenue coming in. Now, I sell that as that's a feature to advertisers. Hey, you buy a podcast for a little while and then it's in the back catalog and that back catalog gets play. But Spotify and NPR and a lot of large podcasting organizations, they look at that as an opportunity to monetize the back catalog. And so with dynamic ad insertion, they can reinsert ads from today in content recorded literally five, six plus years ago. Okay. Okay. So they're they're hot swapping out the actual, yeah. what, what I think in the old world we used to call plugs, right? Yeah, they're either doing it in a player if they have a custom player like Spotify, or they, because think about it, server power is pretty good these days. Right. They can just hot cut MP3s when you hit the download button. So this is almost like I can watch the same old episode of Law & Order on the USA Network from 1997, but they're not going to show me a Chevy commercial from 1997. They're going to show me whatever the hell they want to sell me, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, honestly, I would have preferred the older commercial. <laughs> it would have been much, it would have been a nice time capsule. I'm just saying. Like, Yeah, but for them, it's, it's real estate that they can continue to sell ads in. And you could just see how when you're sitting in a, a meeting talking about revenue and bringing in revenue from the new media division, that's just too much of an opportunity to pass up. Okay, so now I think I get it. So I'm a Spotify premium subscriber, so I don't know, and I have been for a long time, right? So I have no idea where when the paywall comes up in Spotify, but it sounds to me like, and I think this is true of at least the Joe Rogan show, you can download most podcasts and even some of their produced ones without being a premium member. You just get more ads, presumably, right? Yes, but... Clarification being, you can download them in the Spotify app. Oh, so I still can't download. Okay, so so it really is a walled garden where... We'll see how Joe Rogan's setup works out with Spotify. Perhaps that'll still be available as a feed, uh, but we don't know yet. Right. So that's very interesting. So they're literally locking you into... It's, it's very App Store-esque, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I know. And they won't be the only ones. This is really going to be a model, I think, that takes off. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you saw this, but Apple just released a daily news podcast, which is heavily featured as integrated into the news app. 
but is also still actually available as a plain old RSS feed. Yeah. Do you think Apple really wants to lock you into... So this is a whole... So this really is a lock-in game. It doesn't matter who's doing it, I guess. Maybe. I think in Apple's case, what the game there is, if you happen to catch their podcast outside of the Apple News app, you're still walking away with their brand. You're still walking away with their news take. They're kind of still winning there a little bit. And even if you just listened in Pocket Casts forever... Apple News is now sort of an authoritative source for you. So I think they still kind of win in that case. That's why I like that model. They don't have to really aggressively advertise that there's another feed or that you can listen to any app. But if you do, everything works. Got it. Okay. It's like a brand building exercise for them. I think so. Yeah. I've listened and and it's very highly produced. It's it's pretty well done. They, They just essentially lifted an entire team from public radio. They just uh, hired all of them and brought them over to do the new stuff. Sorry, NPR or whatever public radio station it was. So let, let's hop in the DeLorean and go forward five years. Where's this all going, Chris? It's tough to say because there's a lot of masters at play here. Those There are the individuals like us who have sort of these smaller scale podcasts that are in the tens of thousands. And then you have big podcasting, which is getting to the millions now and is clearly becoming an industry. So it's it's difficult to say it's going to go in one direction. I think because it's so far in, I mean, we're 15 years for me in now, I think some things are fairly well established. Spotify can go create their walled garden and it won't really affect the Jupiter Broadcasting podcast. And there's such a rich ecosystem of apps, that momentum isn't going to change. So I think for the most part, you're going to see this sort of fracturing And what's technically a podcast is already getting blurred because there's a lot of YouTubers that post a two-hour video up on YouTube and they just call it a podcast. And so that line will just get more and more blurred, but it's online media. And it will be just a matter of sort of like when you look at the tech industry, what is their motivation? What audience are they serving? And it's just sort of that kind of same model now applied to podcasting. There'll be several kind of branches of it. Interesting. So you're telling me I'm doomed to subbing to Luminary just for like two shows forever. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Oh, that part is going to be frustrating. Yeah, that part's going to be definitely frustrating. There will be some things like that for sure. Come on, Bethany McLean, help me out here. Put up an RSS feed. Meanwhile, you're going to be subscribed to like a dozen different streaming services for video too. So it's just really going to be a mess. Yeah, I feel like in a weird way, we're kind of Voltroning up to like with all the streaming stuff and like Peacock just came out. Are we just like recreating the Comcast cable bundle here by another name? Yeah, only with an insane amount of choice now this time. Yeah. Like I look out at the podcast. I don't know what to call it. I call it an industry. I call it a space. I don't, I don't really know. But the podcast world and I see way too many shows like it doesn't seem sustainable. Yeah, there, there's particularly in certain niches. I think there's a lot. So, I mean logical conclusion, you think there's going to be kind of a calling? I think it's happening right now. Um, yeah. The uh, the COVID economy has really knocked the knees out under the podcast advertising industry. It's been devastating. And this is another reason you're seeing memberships. This is the primary reason you're seeing a lot of memberships pop up right now. I think they're beneficial. I think they have there's good long-term reasons for them. But I think if you look back at the last four and a half years of podcasting, It was sort of this bubble that was building where there could be extremely high rates and very high payouts. And this is one of the reasons I sold the company 
is I looked at this and I said, this is not going to last. And the advertisers, they started to expect more and more numbers as people started to charge more, more and more money. And it started to look to me like it was going to be unsustainable. And I think here we are now. Now some of that money is completely draining out of the industry. I feel pretty good um, because I also weathered the 2008 um, retraction, which also took a ton of money out of the podcast industry. And that was actually when JB thrived. Because again, we're nimble and we're small and we do direct custom deals. So it it will just sort of take the money out of the higher end of not the high, high end, not your higher million end, but your your two hundred thousand to a hundred thousand to seventy thousand listenership podcasts are gonna get hurt the worst right now. So you mentioned the COVID being a factor. Is COVID the primary factor or is it just the the just massive amount of content out there? I mean just sharpen it up a little bit. Does this problem solve itself when COVID is eventually either you know vaccinated or cured or whatever? That's a tough call to make because it's unclear. So you think about it. The advertising industry is going to be directly related to consumer spending. If consumer spending drops, then advertising drops until advertising is needed to get consumer spending back up again. So it, it's really tough to say. Yeah, I'm trying to think about it. I mean, people are always going to... So I almost think it, it's better to be nimble in that case. Right, because it's just easier to sell a super niche down audience, I guess, or access to an audience than it might be to, you know, I'm going to sell Budweiser. Yeah, potentially. I think it really depends on how that industry is impacted. So if, for example, a primary advertiser was a hardware reseller and that hardware reseller was seeing a big drop in order, then yeah, it would still impact you. So it just sort of, it's a really kind of crazy time to be in the business, (laughs) to tell you the truth. (laughs) I think lots of businesses are like that right now. It's just it's just wild. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. So, Chris, I usually wrap up the show with an easy question and a hard question. It's always the same two questions. So, you get to pick which do you want first? The hard question. The hard one. Okay. What should I have asked you that I either didn't know enough or just simply failed to ask you? Well, I mean, you know me pretty well. So this is a hard one because, you know, oh, I can give you the question if you want. Oh, really? You you think so? How many HomePods do you have? Let's <laughs> uh, see. That's a retro coder throwback there. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. So I have uh, one in the bedroom and I have two up front now. And so there's four total. I don't remember where the fourth one is at the moment. Because it's I'm, just gone rogue. <laughs> I, I put two up front and I, I have to tell you, it is fantastic when you put two of them together. They are so loud that they are our primary speakers when we are driving Lady Jupes down the road. Going down a highway, 60 miles per hour, we're using the HomePods to listen to stuff. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess you have an RV, so you actually have like flat surfaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They stay yeah. in the same place, regardless of parked or going down the road. But And the Wi-Fi network remains persistent while we're going down the road, so the AirPlay stuff works just fine. Got it. But what I know is very surprising, since we've last talked, Mike, is... I just kind of on a lark decided to hook up an Apple TV and see how that works with the HomePods. And with the exception of YouTube, holy crap, is it great? Because I didn't even know they could connect. They can yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some software in there to figure out where their location is. And so they figure out if they're rear speakers or front speakers. And it's fantastic. Oh, don't tell me that. My, my wife has been lobbying me. So we have, a, I used to call them Sonos One, but apparently now there's a new product called Sonos One, but like the original first generation of like the Sonos, yeah. you know, the HomePod-like guys. And then we have uh, one of what, it almost looks like a knockoff of a Bose radio from Sonos, you know, those old like circa 2007. Mm-hmm. 
and the technical support on those has not kept up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. the feature set, they don't work well together anymore. It's uh, the mysticism has been lobbying me to say, you know, if we get a HomePod, we have an Apple TV and I could just like do it that way. Yeah, I don't so, think you use it as your primary speaker in my experience because it's a little quiet. Mm. I don't know why. But when it's when it's connected with, say, like a sound bar, which can be physically like an optical audio connection to the Apple TV, they will figure out the latency and they will set it so it, so that the the remote HomePods over Wi-Fi are in sync with an optically connected sound bar. But if, say, you have a primary speaker up front and then you combine the sound, the home, and you could send it all around the whole home if you had home pods around your entire house in every single room, and you could send <laughs> audio everywhere. <laughs> you know, if you have, you said you have four. Yeah, how big is Lady Jupes? I'm just thinking, do you have them in every space? No, one is in the studio. So I have the okay. front and one in back, which is great because when you combine that with the TV soundbar, it is literally a completely immersive experience for music. Yeah, I, I wonder how they actually do that latency syncing because that's got to be a hell of a challenge. Yeah, there is a mode you can go into if it, you know, kind of gets off a little bit and they it makes some sort of tone and they all listen to each other. And I think what they're doing is getting the they're calculating delays for the tone and then syncing based on that. All right. Well, you, you may be pushing me towards the HomePod life. Of course, now they've been out so long, I feel like there's going to be a new HomePod. Yeah, so. I, I think actually today there was a rumor that there's Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so the easy question which in your case they're both pretty easy is what does your workstation look like and just for the purpose of this show because we don't always have like techie people on yeah. uh, although i usually do it's like os uh the actual hardware okay all that kind of stuff any important tools this is all changing too i, I just ordered a brand new desk i'll tell you about it in a moment but right Ooh. now since Jupiter broadcasting went independent in 2007 2008 I've been using, and then even now through the ACGLA acquisition, I've been using the same desk. And it is a horrible Amazon glass desk with... Oh, those suck. uh, With a custom-built PC that's just starting to feel a little old, which I I feel like I got a lot of good years out of it, running a brand new, fresh install from a couple of weekends ago, Manjaro Gnome Edition. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. With the uh, Microsoft ergonomic keyboard, the more modern one. And I have on the way a Logitech vertical mouse, but right now it is a Microsoft ergonomic mouse, which I actually have liked quite a bit. And then that is connected to three 27-inch Asus monitors that are 2K resolution. And I have two of them vertical. So I have one horizontal and two vertical. I have an ATR2020 microphone on my desk. And then I have some really great Logitech speakers that I have owned for probably 14 years. You can go back and see channels from 11 videos on the YouTube channel for JB from like 11 years ago. And I have the speakers in there and they've just, they're great sounding. They, I just, I don't know. I've used them forever. That's all on there. I have a really cool cube from Think Geek that makes a bunch of crazy different light patterns. That's very hypnotizing. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, then I have a series of lights that are around my office that are all kind of connected back to the desk that are all into smart plugs. And then I have uh, home assistant automations that turn that stuff on and off for me. Which home assistant service are you using? So I started with the uh, Echo Tubes and then I switched over to HomeKit. And now I have gone all in on the home assistant open source project, which is a, I think it's all like Python based, but home assistant itself is a 
like one of the top projects on GitHub now. It's just an incredible automation project because it ties in with all the different brands, all the different protocols. It brings it all into one place. And um, I, as part of the self-hosted podcast, well, really, it was one of the things that led me to start the self-hosted podcast is I started using that stuff. And then as part of that, my co-host also uses it. And I've gone all in on both automations with it in the RV, but here in the studio as well. I have tons of stuff automated now. Even even my aquarium fish tank lights nice. <laughs> are automated. See, there's nothing Python can't do. That's right. <laughs> all right, Chris. So where can folks uh, find you? And we'll have links to JB and a bunch of the shows in the notes. Sure. Check out chrislast.com if you're interested in podcast consulting. You can go to chrislast.com slash consulting. And I am Chris Lass on Twitter. Okay, and I'm at Tumanuku on Twitter. And Chris, thanks for coming. Thank you, sir. Lisa missed you. I had to do it once. Talk to you later. <laughs>